Welcome to Chronic Combat Conversations, a live look at our best bets, picks, and predictions for every UFC event with your host, TB Scouting MMA and the guru back again for UFC Vegas 56, Alexander Volkov taking on Jarzinho Rosenstrike in a heavyweight main event. Jarzinho getting another look at a main event shot, as is Volkov, actually, which is super-duper exciting. And, you know, after a week off, I could not be any more excited for how many fights is it? It's like 14 fights. 14 right? fights. We are Hell back yeah. with a vengeance. Absolutely. And, and right before a, uh, a big pay-per-view next week, too. So before we can get into any of that craziness, we have UFC on ESPN Plus 65, also known as UFC Fight Night 207. Man, I'm so freaking stoked. Dude, real quick, how was your trip to Europe, man? Oh, man. So your boy TB uh, took a quick little excursion. We flew over the pond, went over to Amsterdam, <laughs> uh, spent a few days over there, then a little town outside that, Edom, for um, another couple of days. So, yeah, my time zone's all fucked up. Uh, just got back a couple of days ago. Huge delays getting back. International airports are crazy out there right now, so... Uh, yeah, just blessed to be back home. Had a great time and uh, ready to get back to work, man. Feeling yeah, man, really happy to have you back stateside. I know I missed you when we were uh, had that really <laughs> crazy time zone difference. It was difficult to uh, to keep in touch, but we certainly did. So we're happy to have you back, and we're very happy to have some UFC back in action this week. And uh, this main event, man, this is an interesting one. These are two guys that you know have really started to. I don't want to say started to, but these are, these are perennial names now. These are these are household names at the at the heavyweight division. So when you see these guys face each other, it's like almost like wow, I can't believe they haven't faced each other yet. And uh, super interesting to see you know exactly what happens in this kind of style of fight, right? Yeah, I think one of the you know to your point, Jarzino Rosenstrike is one of those guys where like when we started breaking down fights, I mean. He was really like, like when I first started paying attention to the UFC, he was just getting into it. So it's kind of cool to see how far he's come. He's got nine total fights now at this point. And like Volkov's only got 12. So, I mean, for a guy that's been a little bit of a more of a mainstay in the heavyweight division, I mean, Rosenstrike's starting to catch up there as far as total volume. He's just um, been he's just been so active. I mean, two fights in 2020, three in 2021. He was already scheduled to fight Marcin Tybora. Earlier right. this year, February, we we had a big play on that, and Tybora got sick. Um, mm. Yeah, sick the day he didn't want that smoke. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so honestly, they they rewards Jarzino for being a fucking true professional with with this main event slot. It's true, and you know you see Volkov coming off of that uh, that disappointing first round loss to Tom Aspinall, uh, and now we got minus one fifty five for Volkov and Jarzino coming in at plus one thirty five. I mean, from like a surface level, I understand um, why the money line sits there. You look at like the overall pace. I mean, yeah, Volkov, he's, he's throwing out a lot more than Rosenstrike is. Uh, he's landing a lot more than Rosenstrike is. Um, you know, just about double the pace from distance. And yeah, I mean, it definitely, both these guys spend about just amount, just about the same amount of time at distance overall. So you got to figure that this fight, we're looking at a mostly a kickboxing match and and who does that favor? I, I really think that the times we've seen Rosenstrike the most stifled is when guys are, are wrestling him a bit. When yeah. he gets to play from distance, yeah, he, he is really low output, low volume. But, I mean, over the course of a five-round fight here, it doesn't take much for him. You know, all it takes is one. And uh, 
you know, Volkov, he, he's shown to kind of let his guard down as, as the cardio starts slipping away over fights. I, I mean, what, what do you think you're seeing here? No, you're 100% right. I mean, if Rosenstrike has proved himself as anything in the UFC, he has, you know, there's there's levels to the power of, of UFC heavyweights, right? So Francis Ngannou is probably at the top of that chain. And then right there, in my opinion, is Derek Lewis and Jarzinho Rosenstrike and being the biggest power punches of the division you know feel free to let me know if i'm forgetting somebody else not for sure man like that's that to me is the top right there i mean he's shown that he can put your lights out with one punch i mean he ripped alistair overeem's lip off of his face like that's fucking nuts so to, to to be able to land that kind of power that kind of like torque motion with your body like it's like super cliche but like you can't teach that it's it's innate um so, you know, we've seen, listen, well, let's just lay our cards on the table, right? We were on Alexander Volkov over Tom Aspinall, very sillily, honestly. It was, a you know, kind of a pick em fight in that respect. You know, we kind of liked uh, Volkov's size advantage, so to speak. But w- what does Volkov do? Does he utilize his AD intrigue? Does he, John Jones, does he keep a stiff jab? And no, it's all leg kicks leg like leg kicks to keep you from marching forward but what does that actually do like it's not gonna keep jarzinho away when he knows that he has to fucking land this big strike and um not for i loved what jarzinho put in his in his instagram post not that social media means too much but he's just like uh you know he landed landed to chop some trees like hell yeah dude kick him back in the fucking legs close that distance a little bit and and put the pressure on him we've volkov is a type of fighter that literally likes to fight with his back against the cage circling like he he's not somebody that is super um uh pressure forward like he's not like a, a zombie walker like that he he's much more patient taking you know it, oh rogue strum back going live for that yeah Yes, definitely. Rangers over the NBA Finals. I don't know that TB actually feels that way, but I I think yeah. That, I think with me with like with my Rangers having the horse in the race, he kind of he kind of deferred that to me. So I, I appreciate. Yeah, that no, I, I got to do it for my boy. You know, listen, I, I'm gonna be able to catch those highlights. They replay those games on ESPN, so I just won't pay attention to what's going on. I'll start it fresh once we're off the stream here. You know, you know, I gotta help my dog out. It's not like, uh, you know, these NBA finals, man. I'm excited for that too. But Bro, like, Rangers six fucking two, man, over yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, oh yeah, I was, game I was one. happy to let my boy get that big victory game one under his belt. But now we're trying to get a big victory here, getting back to this main event and and getting back to it. Uh, here we are, off of a week off. So you're looking at Volkovers Rosenstrike, and like we talked about, Rosenstrike is a plus one thirty five. And something that I've seen from Volkov recently is like he he really is just seems to be stuck in the mud. And Rosenstrike wow. is gonna he's gonna be the fucking explosive, um, way more uh, you know able to close the distance, way more rangy when it comes to his actual movement in the fight. And while Volkov is gonna be able to land more volume, I just don't think he does anything that necessarily hurts or scares off Rosenstrike and. At some point here, I mean, listen, I, I think uh, Rosenstrike has a much more varied approach than a guy like Derek Lewis. So where Lewis is expecting, oh, you know, he needs to land that bomb. Like Rosenstrike's kick returns and, and, and you know, really kind of countering when guys start throwing kicks at him. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just ultimately think that Rosenstrike's going to find the finish at some point. So I think the way that I'm looking to play this is I, I don't want to just take that straight money line because I think that there's two better ways to do it. Either yeah. Rosenstrike by knockout, you're seeing it plus 200. So I really think that's his path to victory. If you really want to go crazy and like fade some crazy narratives, I mean, Rosenstrike by decision is plus 750. But I mean, do you, uh, it's just I really just tough. It's, if it's going, I just, I just don't think that the it's that's truly like a correlated way of winning because if he's winning a decision, it's like it's how he's got he's got he has multiple knockdowns without a finish. Yeah. He's he's striking more than him. I mean, we can't. I mean, you feel listen, guys. Feel free to bet what you want, but we can't sit here and predict that he's going to outpoint him to a decision when he no. strikes strikes significantly less. And Rogue Strum is saying that he's not going to win a decision. He's not. Hey guys, there's a little sneak peek. Make sure you're following us on Bet MMA so that because you know we had a week off here, we got ahead of some line movement. So. We did. We we played a couple bets a little early. You know that we uh, we we assumed that some line movement would be moving, and it certainly moved in our favor yeah. in that respect. So we're happy about that. So this isn't one that we caught early, but right now, no. I mean, you see the money line. So I see the finish only on DraftKings is minus one fifty. But when I was looking earlier on Fanduel, we had a much better line on that. It was a minus one twenty two. So that's one of those ones where, like, if Volkov wins here, it's going to be by decision. I mean, we haven't seen Rosenstrike get submitted, and I don't think Volkov is going to be the one to pull that off. And I also don't think that Volkov is going to be the one to to knock out Rosenstrike. He just doesn't oversell into his power. I think he could outpoint him for five rounds for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just I don't trust his cardio to do that at this point. He listen, when we want to talk finishes, right? So you, you think that heavyweights have uh, a large amount of finishes, but you look at somebody like Alexander Volkov, and okay, so he has the the cross hook combo to 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 Alistair Overeem. That dude was getting knocked out by everybody at that point. He's got a body kick to Walt Harris, who love Walt as a person, but kind of soft and will find a way out of there in the cage. And Fabricio Verdum in 2018, Stefan Struve yeah. in 2017. Yeah. What, like, and then, then, then we're going back to M1. Like it's, it, yeah. it's not really not a lot of finishes for a guy like Jarzinho who just went 15 minutes with blades, who we want to talk about a diversity of attack has a way more diverse level of attack than somebody like Alexander Volkov. Oh um, yeah. You know, and he went to dis he went the distance with Cyril gone as did, um, Alexander Volkov. That's really more based on Cyril Gans, um, you know, a, a game plan in that fight. But let that game plan say something to you. Like he was respecting his power because he did not want to fucking touch that at all. So he really didn't give Rosenstrike a chance to get anything off. Um, the bet to me, and it you know kind of protects you, is 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 on DraftKings. It's money line. Finish only for Jarzinho Rosenstrike at minus one fifty. Do you want like yeah? Is it a is it a favorite tag? Yeah, it's not not my most favorite thing, but I don't unless truly unless it's a rakeic situation like I don't rocket situation like I don't think that that Alexander Volkov is getting a finish here. So why not kind of protect myself and that I'll I'll lay let's say you would have a three units to win two and. Like if he fucking gets if he if if he loses he loses a decision and I get my money back. Let's yeah I, I totally get it. So so uh, what do we say the decision uh, finish only Jarzino Rosen strike. Uh, we got minus one twenty two. Minus one fifty for that. 
no, wait, no. Did... FanDuel is minus 122. Wait, since when, does Fan... wait, since when does FanDuel do that line? Yeah, they have the finish only, but they don't have the oh, decision it's the, only. It, yes, so it's a decision no bet prop. Exactly. Interesting. Yes, at minus 122. So, yeah, fuck what I said. Get yeah. to FanDuel. Shout yeah, out FanDuel. So, so that's why uh, I'm what how I'm going to play this one. So you got you take 2.4 units to win two on the money line finish only. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, exactly. Okay. The minus 122, that's definitely much more palatable. And then you're oh, yeah. covered on the Volkov decision. But I want to get a little bit on that plus 210 knockout also for Rosenstrike. So I'll do a little half unit on that too. So you guys will probably catch that on MMA between the, the money line finish only and the, uh, the, the knockout for Rosenstrike. Yeah, for sure you'll see the the money line finish only at the very least. You know, at the end of the day, it's like when that when that bet hits and we feel good, we'll be like, oh, why didn't we hit the little sprinkle for the knockout too? Nah, for sure, for sure. And that's 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 why I feel like I do uh, want to have it in there. But you know, even if we don't, I'm feeling good about taking Rosen Strike in this spot. Uh, so that, uh, that's where I'm at. Our, so a couple of our listeners might be a little listen. You know what? They shouldn't be perturbed because again, we've said it time and time again. Check our Bet MMA tips page. We laid this pick out last week, bro. Last week we laid this out. Um, yeah. we got Mosvar Evlev at minus two ninety. We're gonna break down into why, obviously, but we got yeah. him at minus two ninety. He's now minus four eighty. It's insane. It's yeah. the line has just blown away. Wait, I mean, minus four eighty. Yes. Wow. Minus Still minus four ten on DraftKings. So if you guys are listening right now and you need yeah. to grab like some value, you got minus four ten. Still, but still, I mean, regardless, you missed out on it. It was it was much more palatable last week. We're oh, getting yeah. to that point where it's like the value boy type of deal, where it's like, ooh, well, Dan Ige, you know, at this specific number, like. But at the end of the day, Dan Ige, you look at, um, you know, his takedown defense at fifty eight percent. You look at his opponent control rate of 19%. Four. And who the fuck is he even really faced when you come down to, like, the overall grapplers? I mean, Dan Ige, you're, you're giving that up to, to Josh Ame, Korean Zombie, uh, Julio Arce. You know, these aren't guys that necessarily are looking to have high control rates, but they were able to see that that was, like, their path to victory on you. Where, Yeah, I don't think Evelyev is going to really want to stand and bang from distance so much, but even if you look at the numbers, I mean – Who's got the pace? Who's landing more from distance? It's Evliev, and it's because of the threat of the takedown. And, and guess who's going to be able to do it? Rinse, repeat all day on Dan Ige. The only thing that I really get concerned about in this spot is that Evliev loves leaving that neck in there uh, on the guillotine attempts. So, you know, Ige's got the black belt. He's a very proficient grappler. Uh, Dan Ige by submission is plus 2,200. Oh, my so God. So if there was one way that I think he wins this fight, it's either he hurts him on the feet or he gets the submission. But at plus 2,200 for a guy, Evliev, that's had like split decisions because of how long he leaves his neck in a guillotine, whether it's against uh, Mike Grundy yeah. or uh, Nick Lentz. It's just, I don't think Ige is one of those guys that really sells out as much on the guillotine. True. It's just once Evliev is landing like 10, 11 takedowns on him at that point, it's like, all right, well, I got to try something. So uh, yeah, Evliev, where we got him. Minus, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, pretty convinced that Evliev is unchokable after watching him in the Grundy fight. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, it, it's like Charles Rosa almost. You wow. know? it's like it's like Dude. one of those guys where you just can't submit him in those types of chokes yeah. because he, he's been there too much. I, I mean, to me, that what almost stands out even more, like almost more than the the submission prop for Danny Gay is that KO prop at plus eleven hundred on DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. Mosvar is tough and he's undefeated, but like. He's 50k Ige, man. Like you could just clip him. 
But yeah. at the at the end of the day, Ige has quietly gone three and six in his last six, or th- you know, has won three, lost three in his last six fights, and two of those wins being split decisions. You know, um, it's 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 interesting. You know, he's taken a huge step up in competition lately. You know, his losses being to Calvin Cater, Ch- uh, Korean Zombie, and Josh Emmett. You know, three of the three of the premier guys in the division. But this guy has has seemed to show that he's got everything needed to be in the top 15. Yeah. He's a, he's a plus. Yeah. Yeah. He's a different beast. He really is. I just, with the four ounce gloves, bro, you just, you never know, but he's, he's not, yeah. chin check. he's not Gavin Tucker. You're not just going to chin check this guy and put him out. Like he's going to come ready to, yeah. ready to bang. Yeah. I, I, I really do think that Ibley of, uh, he should like, you see, once again, it's Korean zombie. You see him go to the offensive wrestling. Even Josh Emmett has success with the offensive wrestling. Evliev, that's the game plan. I mean, four takedowns at 48%. No shit. That, that's what we're going to be looking at. It's going to be yeah. rinse, repeat. Evliev, unanimous decision, minus 135. I'll probably have a little something on that. Yeah. I mean, it probably hits at the end of the day, but, like, these judges are fucking drunk or sniffing glue. Like, I'm – I don't know. You, dude, you watched fucking Paul Felder, Rafael Desanos be a split decision. Like, uh, Yeah, I got you. That's where it's probably like we already had the straight play on it. So if you guys were able to catch it early with us, God yeah. bless you. Follow us on BetMMA. It's going to help you guys out because if you put on your notifications, you see immediately when we place the bet. When we throw it down, that has to be when the live is active. So it's not like we threw it down after, you know, the line moves, whatever. It's like. You know, like if you see us put a play on better MMA, that line exists right now. So sometimes, you know, it doesn't make it to the show where you on have time, that same yeah. line that, that, you know, when we're doing our tape, we know when we need to get out ahead. So you guys got to be following us on better MMA. Also on Definitely. Twitter, we're putting out our plays. So uh, make sure you guys give a little like on the, on the video here. Make sure you're subscribed to our channel. If you're liking the content and uh, we're going to get right down to this next fight here. We got Michael Trezano versus uh, Lucas Almeida making his UFC debut. One of those Dana White contender series losers. That yeah. uh, that gets the call up here. So you talk about those Dana no, White contender I, well, series fades. Well, well, kind of. Well, he doesn't get the call off the Dana White contender series loss. So it's a no. little different. Well, yeah. But I just want to. I just want to specify. No, 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 that's fair. There's only that's been fair. one. There's only been one fighter to get Condelario, the contract off right? the loss. is Condelario, exactly. So okay. he gets the Dana White contender series loss. Then he goes back. He, gets to, the win. he goes back to jungle fight. No, so he okay. he come he comes he wins in jungle fight. He loses a Dana White contender series. Then he comes back to jungle fight, gets another quick win, and now he's in the USA. Right. Don't right. fuck it up, yo. All right. Well, so ultimately, my point is that with Almeida. You know, you're kind of seeing the line already catch that he's not a Dana White contender series winner. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, right now we got the line. It's, um, I'm, I mean, shit, there's, you know, Mike Trezano, you know, good guy. I got him minus 250 here solid. on FanDuel. Yeah, plus minus 220. Yeah, yeah, plus 220, minus 225 on DraftKings. And uh, Trezano, I do think he's solid all around. Um, but it's just like nothing overall special. But I do think he's patient enough with his boxing and and trying to, you know, go for some counters. Um, you know, I think that Almeida can be a little bit wild coming forward. And, you know, he can definitely, you know, kind of leave himself exposed for like a level change and, and all that stuff. It's just about how much Trezano is going to commit to that type of game plan, because you see the point four four takedowns per 15. It's not something that's actively part of his game. Um, on a consistent basis. So 
you're projecting there. The question is, like, do you think he's going to outstrike Almeida? I just don't think he's going to play up to his price point. No, uh, he, that's he, a... he probably should win. I, I just, uh, I, I would really, this is one of those ones where I'd almost take the shot on that Dana White contender series guy at the plus 185. I feel like, uh, you know, okay, Trezano, though, you see him in his last fight against Dawadu. I mean, this is this is a huge step down in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, Dawadu is super tough. That was a really tough out. He, he like, put the work into Mike Trezano there. He, he really didn't have – I don't even know why they made that fight or who his manager is to let him take that fight. That's mm-hmm. That was not, not ideal. Um this fight's super interesting because I feel like these guys are very similar in like what their kind of overall game plan is. Like, again, maybe I was wrong in the way I assessed Lucas Almeida, but like to me, he kind of seems like a brawler. Like he has this brawler style where, you know, he's got the good left hook and he, he just kind of wants to crash forward because all roads lead to where he wants to be. And that's, you know, using his, using his jujitsu as being on the ground. Um, Oh, actually, no, it's actually the other way around. No, I have this written around. No, so what had happened was it's the other way around. He likes to stand. So he what what I saw was that he had Nicholas. Um, what the fuck is the dude's name? Yeah, he had um who the fuck did he have? He had oh yeah, it was on whatever it was. I fucking wrote it down. He he had the dude um knock down multiple times and then had the guy stand up and continue striking with him. So, you know, he's actually kind of had more surprising, surprising power and um zombie like pressure really likes to come forward um what i did see that was very interesting on the tape as well which you kind of mentioned it's not necessarily going to be in play here he stands super straight up and he leaves his hips exposed lucas almeida so i I, you know he will also overthrow on strikes and put himself out of position which also can leave you lead you to grappling exchanges but i'm not sure that trezano is going to be the guy to do that i think at the end of the day trezano is just the more polished fighter if you can even say that he's just he's got the faster hands he's got the better boxing good check kicks leg kicks decent clinch defense and again has has went up now against the higher content competition in dawadu um yeah so i yeah like you perfectly said like i don't necessarily want to play on this low level fight this would this is like a card opener or something anywhere else but now we're somehow on the main card (laughs) and uh yeah i don't know i don't know is there any other way to handicap this no, I think um, this is probably one because I feel like Trezano, he he's more apt to to lose by decision here, if anything. And, and Almeida, his only loss has come by decision. So it's one of those ones I, I could see. I can see where this fight would, would go the distance, um, but I, I'm not in a rush to, to, to be playing anything like that. No, and, and when you look at that's the other thing when you look at his competition i remember looking at that his level of competition is very sketchy man lots of zeros and zeros uh you know i mean the the yeah man there's a there's a, there's a couple two and fours in there a 16 and 15 you know very be very interesting to see what happens there. i'm i'm interested to see the damn fight though I, I agree. I think it'll be an entertaining fight. It's just not one that I'm necessarily uh, looking to bet myself. No, not not nothing yeah. there. So that'll bring us on to our next fight. We got Karina Silva versus Pauliana Botelho. Um, yeah, th- this one, um, I uh, I see that there's kind of a little bit of a trend out there um, in the general community, and uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure. What trend is that? Where... I don't. I'm not paying attention to these people's. Yeah, trend? no, I, I, the trend I'm seeing is that this is like the blind Dana White contender series fade. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Karina Silva, I, I really didn't like how her cardio looks. Uh, no. that, that's that's for sure. But I do think uh, Botelio is going to be out physical tier, uh, at least in the early going. Um, I just don't really trust Botelio's overall game. Like to see if you get out wrestled by Jillian Robertson for extended periods, right? And we like know that is that like like that that is such a red flag as to like your your overall wrestling defense. Agreed. Um, and then in the same token, you know you see her kind of fade down the stretch against Luana Carolina. So if you're like banking on the cardio of Pollyanna Botelio to outlast Karina Silva. I don't really feel so comfortable in like the less physical athlete and someone that's shown to not really, you know, have that much juice laid into a fight themselves. So mm. uh, Botelio, she's five years older. She's going to be uh, a bit taller here, but they they do have the same reach. But you see that Nova Uniao, like Botelio, like Nova Uniao, they're, <laughs> they are known for having fighters who gas out. That's just what happens. And, and yeah. Silva, um, I do think she's explosive. She has a couple ways to win this fight, um, and she loves getting finishes. You know, Botelio, she has she has lost by one submission in her career, so there is that path to victory. But, I think um, it's the, I think it's the other way. I think it'd be Silva who's got the two submission losses, and maybe that would be Pollyanna's one way to win. Would be as uh, as so, she starts to gas out and she kind of gets a sub. But you know, it was interesting. I looked back at her topology here, and who do I see as her? first loss by finish it's to marina morose in 2014 who's yeah. a d who's a decent enough submission artist so yeah I, I you know it's certainly super interesting you know silva's somebody that you know is very aggressive she opens up her dana white contender series fight with a right high kick and right jab combination but you know she gasses super duper quickly in that fight and um it really wasn't until she kind of gets her way back into it with um because that yeah because she's fighting the like the butchest um asian chick ever who's like just kind of like just like the like literally ariana ariana carnelosi type but just just asian she was just crashing forward and completely gassed out and um you know get puts herself in a guillotine goes straight down um yeah. in that second <laughs> round yeah she had a the, the asian chick had a great first round and then silva wins the second one um, so my, it, my, my question here is, uh, do you see, uh, I feel like the majority of these, these losses from when you add the both of them together, I, I'm kind of interested in the fight doesn't go the distance yeah. at plus 110. Yeah. I think, I think either one could gas out, the other one's finding a finish, whether, you know, Silva's able to impose her physicality earlier or Botelio is able to land some of that strength. Because even in round three, you see Botelio kind of popping the head back at Carolina when she's able to get her stuff going. It's just, uh, yeah, the trusting a side on the money line here. Yeah, not I really mean, looking to, to do it, but inside the distance, right. fight doesn't go plus one yeah. ten. I mean, to, to, to me, I, to me, I basically line the fight to pick them, or maybe mm. lean Pollyanna as a slight, slight favorite, and they have her as a slight dog. So I guess if I had to pick a side, I, I would pick Pollyanna, but like I, there's no real confidence in that. Yeah, I don't think that like you're getting enough value. No, no, not at all. Currently, is to really feel like. Oh man, I this is a like I need to hit this and, and the fight I'm, is I'm sketchy. Be missing on. And the yeah. fight is sketchy. And you know what? If you're with TB and if you think that one of these girls is going to submit the other one, fuck the fight doesn't go the distance. Just play the under two and a half at plus one forty then. Yeah, because they're not going to yeah. get the finish in the last two. You're minutes. right. You're right. You're right. And uh, Mac, thanks for joining us, man. He, he's got Patelio by decision here. I can feel that. I I, I totally got... see it. The one thing that we really didn't highlight 
and obviously because it's been littered with losses, is that she's has the experience advantage here. Yeah. Like and that like for somebody making their first walk to the octagon, for somebody that's been there, done that, and and you know maybe has a a different mindset, a different game plan in terms of you know what their career goals are at the moment. Mm-hmm. So certainly interesting, mm-hmm. but not Definitely. necessarily a fight I want a lot of exposure on, if any. <laughs> I agree with that, and uh, so yeah, that'll that brings us right along here to our next fight. We've got Ode Osborne versus Zaruk Adachev. Right now, uh, the the line has kind of exploded here. Um, we're looking at, uh, you know, right now. Well, did they even have this listed for me here on DraftKings? That's weird. I don't know Maybe why they pulled it. it. Yeah, I was. Oh, here oh no, here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, they moved oh, it yeah. around. It's yeah, yeah. Down. I don't know why it's out of order, but anyways, Odie Osborne right now minus one ninety. Adashev at plus one sixty. Uh, a little earlier in the week, we hopped on the uh, the Osborne train. I, I mean, you see the the clear physical advantages for one Osborne. You know, he made his debut at the 135 and now moving down to 125 on a consistent basis and he looks good making the weight yeah. uh he's got a two inch height advantage he's gonna have an eight inch reach advantage on adashev and we've already seen that once before for adashev facing sue Madoshi, and it didn't look great from a volume perspective i mean you see some of those numbers uh on the adashev side and like his opponents are really you know putting a pace on him here uh yeah he, oh my god yeah and, uh, you know, so Osborne, it's not that he's like the biggest volume striker overall, but you see his numbers are solid. He's outpacing Adashev. But overall, then, if he needs to go to that takedown game, I mean, Adashev, uh, I really don't trust him <laughs> to, to be able to stuff that on a consistent basis, especially the physical advantages that Osborne has, getting that double leg secured, wrapping around the, the you know, the bottom you know, Vergara was able to stuff a lot of those attempts with his physicality. I think Adashev just doesn't have the same type of uh, experience working in the in the grappling and the wrestling perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to dig into this too much because, like I said, we're we're fairly heavily on Ode here, and I think that the the reasons are obvious. But I'll just say, like, I think Zuruk Adashev is is probably one of the like poster boys of of people that like really maybe should not be in the UFC. Mm. like like really at all i mean you look how he got i don't even know how he got here he lost his debuting fight to a one-in-one guy he beats an zero-in-one guy he beats an zero-in-two guy and get this his big win he beats a three-in-one guy and gets the call up to the ufc gets mm. knocked out in 30 seconds by tyson nam tyson nam's crying going crazy because he finally gets his first finish um and then sumadarji who i think if my memory serves right, kind of gassed out towards maybe that third round. Um, but still like put the fucking work on him. And then he gets a decision win over Ryan Benoit, who I don't even know if we've seen since. I something tells me no. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's no, and I don't know if he has a fight booked. I doubt it. So, like, what what the fuck does that win mean? Like nothing. Benoit is 10 and 8. He's he's his like he's another one, like probably <laughs> not really you know, cut for the cloth. And then you look at somebody like Ode Osborne, who's probably the tallest guy in the entire fucking division, the biggest guy in the division. Like what, what is Zaru going to do here? You, you got to clip him. You got to get lucky. You got to, you got to Manel cop yeah. him or something like you got to, or choke him out. Right. The submissions seem to be a thing. He's lost by arm bar and triangle choke twice. So, Oh no, that's the wins. I, you know, I'm colorblind. Not really, though. He's lost by guillotine choke to Brian Kelleher and knee bar. 
So, yeah, he's been submitted. So that's maybe the way. But, again, I, there's no way to predict how this guy fucking wins. He's He's got two knockouts and two decisions. I'm the sorry. You're telling me that Adashev is has a path by submission, the kickboxing champion? All right. Yeah, I think that means we need to get on to the next fight, Guru. No, I was just, we're grasping no, at straws. No, I exactly. I just meant that O'Day's weakness is the submission, not that Adashev, the kickboxing champion, would have a path through his non-existent that's what i'm saying so we're grasping at straws there is no there is no no legitimate path that we saw and that's why we laid five units on oday osborne at minus 155 (laughs) so guess what guys now you got him at minus 190 make sure you're following us on bet mma because we laid that last week we knew that was something we needed to get out ahead of because just didn't make sense where the line was at and it seems like the market's been correcting itself yeah our next fight here, we got the fraudulent uh, Oscar Mozarov uh, versus Alonzo Menafield. Dude, um, Mozarov, Mozarov has set MMA Twitter on fire with not one, but I believe two very stark, legitimate record corrections that happened this week on tap- Tapology. Do we have that? Did he, he opened up what? Do we, do we have the numbers? Yes. Yeah, so uh, originally, I mean, I could tell you when I first were doing their profiles, we had it was a uh, 25 yeah. and six is what it was supposed to be. All of a sudden it's 21 and 11 and now it's 19 and 12. Yeah. So I didn't even get to update this from the 21 and 11 before we hopped on tonight. I mean, overall, it's just like, wow, Super sketchy, sketchy how, as yeah, fuck. How, also, also the other thing, I don't even know if this guy makes it to fight night because every time he's a late replacement, whether it's the Ben Rothwell or uh, he was supposed to fight Dustin Jacoby as a late replacement. Those fights never actually ended up coming to be. So does this fight actually happen on fight night? I'm not willing to spend too much time on this because, listen, it's sketchy as fuck. And on the other side of it, you got fucking sketchy as fuck Alonzo Menafield. Yeah. He's got the experience. He's faced the higher level guys. But at the end of the day, this is also someone that we're talking about that lost a decision to William Knight. And <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah, fucking surprised yeah. if, yeah. if Mozarov lands a huge shot on Menafield and is able to put him on his ass like 100 i just wouldn't put it past him so now 100%. all this overcorrection in the market it's like now Menafield's minus 250 and Mozarov plus 200 i mean you want to talk about a stupid bet here that could actually be something Mozarov by ko is it plus 175 and the money line's plus 200 folks just what? take the money line right now what the fuck is going on wait but, what uh, is that wait wait what book has that that's DraftKings because the line has exploded right because all this stuff coming out so like Mozarov right now it's like one of those, you know, just exactly. Here you go. Rogue, thank you. Guys, don't overthink it. Just fade Alonzo, throw a rogue unit on it. Both guys coming on weight. Streaky fighter, and he's winning right now. Odds 100%. Are too much. 100%. Top bet right now. Yes, thank you. Thank you. This is just a blind Alonzo Menafield fade. So so you can get more, um, you can get him at uh, by KO on FanDuel plus 240. And wow. that was a there wasn't go much, run over there wasn't, do a little obviously something. obviously nobody has fucking tape on this guy that's why his record was updated from 21 and 8 to fucking 19 and 12 or whatever the fuck or 19 and 14 whatever that bullshit is but my more of my point is is that what I did see from his fights the dude like was knocking these cans out like he was you know crushing these cans so for me, if this guy, like like you say, you put on a four-ounce glove and you just swing really fucking hard, PC Strickland, what's up, buddy? You know, you, you see that guy come in and I, you watch Alonzo Menafield. He was he was doing decent enough against William Knight until, like, he gets tired with the grappling and then he eats one punch and, like, at the end of that first round and he's never really the same. So this guy could absolutely take his lunch money. Mm. So everybody that's playing Alonzo Menafield, 
uh, crazy on the money line or, or I'm not a big DFS guy, but something tells me people are going to be putting him major in those DFS lineups. Don't do it. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, so I, I think ultimately if you were going to play Menafield, funny enough, Mozarov's got like eight submission losses and, and Menafield did have that one over Fabio Charant. So like if you really <laughs> wanted Menafield at plus 450 sub, I don't even think there's enough value on that one. Moving right along. This is that's a yeah. this is a shout out to Clint. This is a pop and popcorn fight. That uh, yeah. it's a it's a fireball it's a, and popcorn. If you're talking about Clint, if, if you're talking if about you're, if, if you're talking chronic combat, that's a, that's a that's a Jameson and that's a Jameson and chronic fight. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, you know pack your bowls. You know grind up another grinder of weed. We got 37 year old Herrig off of the knee surgeries. 36 year old Kovalkevich off of like 15 consecutive losses. <laughs> Guys, she's it's gonna just set, uh, she's gonna set the record, I believe. If she loses this fight, Carolina Kovalkiewicz breaks, I believe, the UFC record for most losses in a row. One, two, damn. She's got she's got five. This will be her sixth straight loss. Yeah, not gonna lie, guys. I put in the stats for this fight. Something's not completely clicking. I must have put the names wrong. But let's be honest. I don't think we really care what the stats say here for this one. Uh, it's interesting just, though. Do you remember Carolina Kovalkiewicz's last win? It was a split decision in 2018 versus Felice So this wow. was the this is the rematch that everybody's been clamoring for. Yeah, man, they finally got it. I mean, they finally <laughs> got the job done here. Yeah. So and, uh, and ultimately, Felice Herring, uh, yeah, uh, Felice Herring. Felice Herring is on a, a three fight losing streak of her own. She hasn't had a win since uh, Courtney Casey's split decision win in 2017. Um, she came out last fight against Virna Jandaroba after nearly a two year layoff. And I'm not sure she was fully healthy in that fight. Got submitted um, really quickly by mm-hmm. by Vienna, which is not surprising at all. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just I think she kind of took that fight because she kind of needed the money, and you need to kind of stay active in the roster, so to speak. And and then I think she needed her knee cleaned up again. But I'm telling you, if you follow this girl on social media, she is fucking shredded she's always been in shape she is shredded she completely retransformed her body her her like when you go like i wouldn't know because i'm not an athlete and i haven't been through that kind of surgery but when you go through knee surgery and then you don't work out your fucking leg for six months nine months and then you have two knee surgeries and it never really got right like the muscle atrophying there her her legs you can't tell which one had what she is a fucking she's yoked she's 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 a dozen eggs so I I just kind of like her here to be fierce and be ready against Carolina, who just hasn't shown any. I don't even know. Yeah, she hasn't shown any killer instinct. She's she's not the same person that was, I don't know, beating Rose Namajunas and Jody Esquibel. <laughs> All right. I think Guru spent enough time on that one, boys. We're hopping right along. <laughs> we got our next fight here. We got uh, Joe Selecki versus Alex Da Silva. This is um there there's one question I have for this fight and uh and it kind of how you answer it will tell me what I end up playing. Do you think Alex De Silva can finish Joe Selecki in round 1? Yeah. Probably not. No, okay, so Joe Selecki wins by decision or by late finish. There you go. That's my handicap. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. <laughs> I can I, I do I kind of I guess you're right because when you look at Alex De Silva, his his wins come early. They've come. They've all come early. Most of them by rear naked choke. 
You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, what I've seen from Joe Selecki in the grappling department is that he doesn't make too many mistakes and he's pretty dang good. Um, what I've seen Joe Selecki in the MMA department is what really gives me pause in this fight. Mm. Um, he's got sketchy cardio, yeah. um, doesn't really push the pace. Um, you look at that Jared Gordon fight. I mean, he won the first seven minutes and then dropped the last eight. I mean, about as clear cut as it could possibly be. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's shit. So, so you know, I think specifically so you, there though, you're looking at facing a veteran that actually has a cardio bank to draw from. I think I just, you're facing the exact opposite in this case. I'm not, I mean, I just don't, I'm just not sure. Alex De Silva is high pace. He puts on a pace that, that, that Joe Selecki just hasn't seen. Jared Gordon is like, I love Jared as a person, but super middling fighter, Jim Miller, old as pie man like he's trying right to just, he's, he's lingering his way to ufc 300 and then you look at his win over what austin hubbard and matt wyman like there's there's not much for me to draw on super positively there i kind of like the dog side and alex de silva um maybe i'm giving him too much credit for that riddell fight but he wins the first round versus riddell grappling him and, and piecing him up on a feet and then in that second round He's doing well for gas, the first gas, 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 listen, gas, he, gas, so gas. what hap what happens is is he's still going for the he goes for the takedown to open up that second round and he doesn't get it. So now when you're not getting the takedown, what happens? Riddell's holding you up, you're in the clinch, and now Riddell, the insane fucking kickboxer, is teeing the fuck off on you. And the dude's super tough. I mean, he gets a he takes a knuckle to the eye and he kind of gets it rubbed off as a eye poke and is able to continue. Probably would have been a KO win for Riddell if that was called properly. Uh, however, man, the kid's super duper tough in terms of still hanging in there after that. His eye is like completely swollen shut. And who's better? Jared, too much MMA math probably, but who's better, Jared Gordon or Brad Riddell? I, I don't think I'm on an island if I say Brad Riddell is the better fighter there. So, yeah, I I uh, I I do. I kind of I do lean Alex to Silva, but I I don't know. Hey, what about what about Alexander Yakov left with yeah. the round two submission win over submission. Alex to Silva? That's, I mean, that's poor. And then his poor. his one decision victory in his career is over the absolutely miserable Rodrigo Vargas. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see uh, like You're listen, right. Selecki. I really don't like his all-around game. I hate it, yeah. and he's very boring to watch. But if Alex De Silva doesn't finish you early, Joe Selecki, he probably has the better grappling as the fight goes on. Yeah, I don't think that De Silva right. is Jared Gordon. He's got one career decision win, and it's over Kazula Vargas in the UFC. So yeah, tell me, so right. tell if you want to play him, just do De Silva inside the distance at plus three fifty. Guru, have fun with that. But like. Fuck that. Yeah. And if anything, yeah. it's it's probably just uh and I'll say if you want to fade a narrative here, somehow Selecki decision now plus 180 because we've gotten used to him being boring in the UFC. I mean, he couldn't even fucking submit Matt Wyman. But at the end of the day, if we're talking about how bad De Silva's gas tank is, could you imagine Selecki with that little submission at plus 275? Sure, but I mean, how many submission props are we going to play? Fuck this fight. I'm not touching it. Sorry. Yeah, Apologies, uh, guys. We got 14. There's no need to touch every fight here. You're right. You're totally right. So uh, next one. Here we go. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Damon Jackson and Dan Argetta. This yeah, this I one mean, came together okay, last yeah. second. Oh, here. okay, okay, dude. I don't know. I just had such a brain fart. I knew we played a sub prop, 
And you were like skipping over it so fast. I'm like, wait, didn't we play De Silva by sub? No, no it was no, not. No. It was somebody way, way better. You need to sorry, chill. We're getting there. I'm sorry, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What we are me. also getting to is that Damon Jackson is now minus 650 versus Dan Argetta at plus 460. No way, dude. Um, I get it. I get it. Because when you look at like the, the, the general, like what are we looking for on like a short notice? Okay. Guy takes the fight within like a week. Uh, moving up a weight class, facing a veteran. You know, this is one of those spots where it's like, you got to fade him. You got to fade the guy making his debut. But we've already gotten to the point where Jackson went from like a minus two something. And now we're at minus 650. Guys, we, we, yeah, yeah, we, we missed this one. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's far too wide. But at the same time, do you expect a guy that's like a pure wrestler like Argetta to come in and really put on a pace on Jackson of all people? The Damn, only that's, way, that's where I draw the line. The, the only way he puts on a pace is if he survives the first seven minutes and Jackson's tired. And no, then... but that's no, but Jackson is the one that has the sick cardio. So that's not like right. There no, is it's no not outlasting Jackson. No. The question okay. is, can Jackson outlast Argetta? And yes, yes he probably yes. he probably can because he's yeah. going to be the much bigger guy here, and he's actually yeah. got a full camp. Not for nothing. I just watched Argetta's. Um, LFA one thirty one fight where he wins the uh, wins the title, and it's a split decision win versus Diego Silva. And wow, oh wow, is that not only a troubling and not inspiring fight, but it is damn close. And I, you know, I don't know how confident you could be that you know that he's the rightful champion, and it's not Diego Silva like that. It was so 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 freaking close, man. Um, so. When you're going toe to toe with Diego Silva, and mind you, less than a month ago, so it's three weeks ago, and now you're cutting weight again. You still, I'm like, I stubbed my toe last week. It still hurts. Like this guy's definitely got some bruises and cuts going on. Like mm -hmm. he fine, he really wants to be in the UFC at 28 years old. So yeah. this was this was his chance to do it. I do think Jamin Jackson probably gets it done. I, we like I said, we've we've said things like are untouchable, but like this is beyond untouchable. Minus six hundred. Damon Jackson round three plus eight hundred. Cool. If you think he washes him out and gets that late finish, like you know, like like Jackson likes to do, but uh, that's the only thing that I would what's, be willing. What's Jackson to even... round three in decision? Uh, plus one forty. I feel yeah, like, I like I don't... yeah, that that is also a solid idea. Over one and a half. Damon Jackson is uh. Also, if you know, minus 115. So, uh, I like plus yeah. money. Yeah. Give me, yeah. That, give me that plus money. You know, Guru is all about that plus money. But I'm really not all about betting this fight. So, that is also true. So, we're going to move right along here as as we love to do. We got uh, Nicolas Stolce versus Benoit Saint Denis. Uh, this is one of those like, you know, clash of styles fights. You got Stolce who loves being the kickboxer out there, who also got knocked the fuck out on the feet in his last fight. Yes, uh, versus Benoit Saint Denis, who loves getting into that wrestling right. and grappling, and probably should have been knocked the fuck out in his last fight. Um, oh yeah, depending on the referee, and uh, it just so <laughs> turned out that we got the one that was going to let that shit just go on. We got Mario Yamasaki incarnate fucking refereeing. Yeah. Sheesh. But uh, yeah, so uh, Stolce versus Benoit Saint Denis. Yeah, I mean this one. Uh, I, you know, I think if anything in these types of fights, smaller cage you know, kickboxer that I don't think is that impressive of a kickboxer overall and is, you know, shown to be kind of controlled in the past, you know, 
45 control he got rate right crossed by night train bro yeah uh yeah benoit saint denis i feel like he's gonna be able to put on uh, a little bit of a grappling show here if he so chooses you know it's possible that stolze can kind of catch him on the feet but i see saint denis as the minus 155 stolze plus 135 that's a pretty fair line saint denis by sub plus 250 that's a pretty fair line uh decision plus 250 that's probably more so where it happens. Uh, I just don't think either of these guys are so high level where they are going to overwhelm the other in their like area of expertise. But I do think that Saint Denis should have a little bit of an easier time, you know, setting his pace. Yeah, I have a I have a specific play for this fight, and it's um, one of, it's one of our favorite things. And I want to fade the narrative here, guys. Um, I want to I want to bet this fight to go the distance. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think I think so I do. There? So so what I see is that Stoltzy, like you just said, the kickboxer gonna be looking for knockouts, essentially, whatever. That's the way that he generally wins. What did we see from Benoit Saint Denis? Benoit Saint Denis. He's fucking tough as nails, bro. He's basically KO'd dead, and fucking he's still putting smacks on a as Zaleski de Santos. Mm. Like try like yeah. literally he's special forces in france like you have to fucking kill this guy <laughs> and then you look at the it's other true. way around how benoit saint denis wants to win he's a jujitsu expert like he wants to go for takedowns hmm. and get get the submission that's what he wants but stolze hmm. himself is a very well accredited black belt in jujitsu like he's not a schlub on the ground at all like is it where he wants to be per se no but he's well versed. So if neither of these guys get to finish, I <laughs> if neither of these guys, this is this is really revolutionary stuff, guys. If neither guy gets to finish, it's going to decision. So <laughs> I like I like the fight to go the distance. So I, you know what I mean? Cause I just don't, yeah, I kind of like the idea of that. And it's it's uh it's plus money too. So I like not a small amount. Yeah, I, I I really like that guru. That's that's a that's a solid little play that you got going on there. Yeah, fight to go the distance is see that's what I'm saying. So will the fight go the distance on fan on DraftKings is plus one twenty, but on FanDuel it's plus one fifty four. So plus one fifty four, will the fight go the distance? Yes, that's that's where I'm at on this fight. Right. But but right. but like listen, am I betting my house on it? No, because this is super low level MMA, and and we just watched Stoltzy get flatlined in a second. Wow. Oh no! Warriors. Uh -oh. Yeah, but you've seen it's all season long. How many memes have I seen with the Warriors? They're like down ninety nine to fifty nine, and then seven minutes later they win one twelve to one hundred and three. It's like they always kill it. Yo, guys, maybe maybe throw yourself down a little live bet on the finals here. Get that Warriors live money plus money. We'll see. That might be a little something for you. But uh, here we go. So uh, let's let's get down into it. We got um our last. Uh, we're getting into our last uh, few fights here. It seems, but uh, we we still got a little ways to go. So our, our next one here, we got Johnny Munoz versus uh, you know Tony Gravely. Uh, this is gonna be a pretty man. close fight. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those ones. Uh, they actually got it listed pretty close as I struggle here typing names um, uh, on the line. I, I, right now, we yeah, got uh, minus Munoz's... 154 on Gravely and plus 120 on Munoz. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this fight, it, it seems like keeps kind of going back and forth as far as the money line goes. And, and I understand it. I feel like if you're talking about the minute winner, 
Uh, it's going to be Tony Gravely. Uh, he should yeah. have a little bit more volume in the stand-up. Uh, actually, a lot more volume in the stand-up. Uh, yeah. But also, you know, that comes back with his opponents also bringing a high volume. So it's not like he's supremely outpacing his opponents as far as volume goes, but it's just the, the, he, he he's lands. got the power advantage. He has the the big thing yeah. that I see with Gravely is that he's going to have the power advantage. You know, he throws yeah. a lot into his strikes because he knows that mm -hmm. he's comfortable getting into the grappling exchanges. The problem is, though, is that he likes to wrestle and Johnny Munoz loves, loves to submit to people. Right. So, so this is people. kind of where we're at. So like Mac Gravely to win by holding. Yes, that's it. That would be that how he wins. That, so if you're going to say gravely by decision plus 250, totally understand. What I also see is that every single fucking Tony Gravely fight, when he shoots one of those seven takedowns that he lands for 15 minutes, his, his neck is in for a guillotine every single time. Every single here's Guru holding it up. I sent, every I sent this him during scouting. This is this is 20 seconds into his fight with um with Oliveira. Uh, Sam, with Sam and Oliveira. Yeah, that's salmon deep on a fucking <laughs> on a fucking guillotine, yeah. man. Like Munoz is you, one of those if you give that to Munoz, guys. you're done. You give that yeah. he's a multi-time champion BJJF world champion jujitsu player. Like you give that to him. You're done. He's you're not getting it back. Yeah. Like uh so so we've we've wanted Gravely to we like right. We we kind of thought Gravely would do the lay and pray against our guy Nate Manus. He was laying on top of Nate, pulverizing him. If that fight maybe had another 20, 30 seconds in that first round, it's very possible that you know he maybe KOs Nate there, but Nate gets up, fire in his fucking belly, starts stuffing takedowns, sprawling for his life, and starts pounding the shit out of him with clinch strikes and and uh and gravely's exhausted shows really not much left and by the by the middle of that second round nate puts him down and puts him down good so shout out our boy there um i just i don't know i just don't know what like like we're saying you're gonna have to ko this guy munoz early or you're gonna have to hold on to him for dear life and the dude's fucking tough as nails he's his one loss is also to nate manus which is super yeah. interesting so you know you when you see stuff like that like it's it's very I I had some notes on that too yeah. the Nate Maynard so, fight so 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 uh, basically like Munoz what I think he's going to be able to do here is that guys that are able to make Gravely work a little bit rather than just going for their submission attempts defensively but able to make him work and kind of fight some reversals and stuff like that I, I think that's something that Munoz Show should be resistance. able to do so Miles Johns gets that round three sub Ricky Bandejas gets that round two sub Manny Bermudez gets a sub Patchy Mix gets a sub. Pat Sabatini gets a sub. You, like you see all these high level grapplers that are Ricky able to Bandero. get subs on Gravely. And, Pat Sabatini, and yeah, he's fought everybody. Yeah, that I, I just ran down the list, my dude. It, it's yeah. uh it, it Munoz, he fits into that level of grappler and guy that yeah. that isn't just going to let Gravely do what he needs to. So hey, what did we lay? A little half a unit on Johnny Munoz Jr. by submission at plus two fifty. Yeah, that was the sub I had confused with the other guy. But no, I, I really like that because um, I, I just think it's super likely Gravely is somebody that just kind of would love to loves to shit the bed. He's just not a not a not an opportunity capitalizer, at least from what we've seen. Yeah, uh, so that's gonna bring us on to our next fight here, and this one, um, well talked of, about this, a lot of diatribe back and forth here. Um, man, uh, Jeff 
El Jefe Molina, friend of the gambling community. What a guy. Also, uh, he seems to like really be going out there representing the like the pride community too for this month. He's super excited about wearing it on his clothes, getting a lot of shit. But like, I respect a dude like that that leans into it and like, you know, it just seems like an overall good guy. Uh, and Jaga Jumagulov, he's a veteran of the game, um, someone that's going to come forward and, and put a pressure and a pace on you. He might not be the biggest; he is a little undersized, even at one twenty-five, but. Uh, the dude's tough as fuck, and and you see him going there against Manel Cop, and like, yo, he lands this early one too on uh, Manel Cop, and and man, I mean, he he just fucking he is he lands early on him, and, and he's putting a little pressure, and Cop, you know, finally settles in a little bit, and then once he starts to unload a bit and land his power, you know, Jumagulov unable to really overcome that, but you see the guys that he's facing the UFC. Manel Kopp, Amir Albazi, Haulian Paiva. I mean, these are these are legitimate names that that Jumagulov uh, has lost to. Um, you know, and and yeah, that cop knockout wasn't pretty, but it, it was an accumulative knockout. It wasn't a one punch type of deal. And to have someone kind of you know unload a twenty punch combo on you on the fence, you know, it, I get so it. Cop is I was one, one of my those favorites. special guys. Yeah, yeah, cop is like a top five talent. The problem is Jumagulov is like a top twenty five talent. And, uh, you know, Jeff Molina moving up here in the ranks. He's one of those guys where I, I really like his cardio and, and I like his ability to kind of work through some stuff. And his striking has seemed to, to get a little bit better. But um, I, I just don't see anything that he does at like an elite level in that regard. And I just think that Juma Gulov is going to be able to work like a, a volume, either a volume wrestling pace or he'll be able to work his boxing a bit and, and get that movement going. I don't think he's going to fade like some of Molina's prior opponents. Uh, Richie Long has been known to fade in the past. And, um, you know, we, we've also seen, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, like we talked about, uh, Daniel Lacerda da Silva has also been a guy that we've seen gas out multiple times as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I do think that Molina has been able to lean on that gas tank in the past. I don't think that that's going to get him the win solely here. And I, I'm going to go ahead and take a little shot on Ajagas at plus 160, where Molina's at minus 190. I think there's a little bit of value there on the underdog. I would say with the, where the line has started to trickle, I could certainly understand um, why you'd, why you'd want to bet the dog here, you know, laying minus 200 on Jeff Molina when you could have got him at like whatever, minus 150, minus 160. You know, not as, not as appealing. Um, however, I'm, I'm certainly on the Jeff Molina side here. Um, everything about Z- uh, Zaglas and Magulov has shown me that he is um, is 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 depreciating goods. He's 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 va- he is a a commodity that is is losing its value. Um, he's getting older quickly, right? Thirty three. We may not say that's old for this division. That's fucking ancient. So, and- Guru, uh, I, I just have a quick question. You basing this off of Manel Cop saying that he looked older on tape? Listen, I like what Manel Cop had to say, but I I also agree with what he said. He looks slower. His one win so far in the UFC is against Jerome Rivera, who's not UFC caliber. So he loses badly to Manel Cop. He de- he doesn't get the job done versus Albazi or Paiva. And then before that, what was he doing uh, in in Fight Nights Global? Split decision win versus Bogota. Uh, <laughs> Versus Bogdanov, for a a majority decision win versus Ulanbekov, a majority a unanimous decision win over Tyson Nam. Like, th- there's nothing there that's like 
super impressive. He's outpointing guys to decisions. And I don't know that he's outpointing Jeff Molina, who's younger, faster, bigger, longer, and has better pace and has shown animalistic cardio. Like his like, takedown yeah, defense is duty, though. That's so that's the that's the obvious part. That's where thank you for bringing that up. If you're if you're Zaglas Magulov, if you're his corner, you you're you're tying on your Kamara Usman shoes, bro. You're gonna go wrestle your fucking ass off because it's not only Jeff Molina that has the problem. I saw somebody posted on Twitter, and it was something I'd been thinking about for a while. Glory MMA, they have no fucking takedown defense. It's the whole camp. It's a it's a it's an epidemic in that fucking camp. <laughs> but through his fucking four fights, he's a one point two five takedown. It's not enough. It's not enough. So you, I, I am not betting on the thirty three year old to be the old dog showing me new tricks with, with volume wrestling. More often than not, the yeah, but I mean, he shot, he shot fourteen, he shot fourteen takedowns in four fights. So that's more than three takedown attempts per fight. So you got to figure he's getting Molina down twice in this fight. If he gets Molina down twice, he probably wins two rounds. Yeah, I th- I think it can be. The problem is though, is like, what's he going to be doing with that top control? He's going to be raining down strikes, or is or is that where he holds Good him question. for two minutes, doesn't really score anything, and then when they're standing on the feet, all the impactful strikes and all the volume are going to be on Jeff Molina, mm-hmm. bro. I literally, I there'd be no reason that I would not be going to UFC Long Island, but I'm going to be in Chicago watching the Cubbies play the Mets. And uh, I'm super excited about that. Never been to Chicago. Um, I literally, I would be dragging TB. We would a thousand percent be there. He probably would be. Oh, we'd we'd be going like. Oh, no well, you know what? Now TB, a little new career path here. Your boy's gonna be working Monday through Friday, so maybe he's gonna sneak off without Guru to that one, huh? Yeah, yeah like, like, dude, a little FOMO. Up, he's gonna cancel his Chicago plans. No, no. And listen, the other the other weird thing about that card though, it's an ABC card, so you're gonna be watching like midday. It's not a night card. Oh, so that was, that's that, right. That's that was right. why back. That was why back in the day, I didn't go to Robbie Lawler and Colby Covington at the Prudential Center because it was like a two p.m. main card. I'm like, the fuck? I gotta wake up and start at seven a.m. to head for fights. I'm good. Um, but yeah, that that Long Island card looks fucking sick. Love Brian Ortega, Yaya Rodriguez. That's an unbelievable fight, and they they just keep booking shit for that. Um, I I have family out in Long Island. I would have loved 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 to have gone out there. But I unfortunately will not be making it. I'm, I'm hoping well, hey, they make it back to MSG more. or something. Hell yeah. We got a couple more fights to break down here. Last, yes, we do. Yes, last we two. Do. Uh, the first two to kick off right now, we got Renat Fakradinov and Andreas Fakradinov. Yeah. Fakradinov. I'm practicing his, his. Renat Fakradinov. That's a good one. That's an awesome name. I wonder if we're not but, I mean, I'm, like I want. I wonder if we're not as like a like a super casual name like Ronald or something in his culture. You always wonder that, right? Did, maybe just me. Anybody else ever wonder that? Uh, so what I'm wondering is minus two sixty five, Mikhailidis a plus two fifteen. Mikhailidis was a guy that everyone was kind of running to play against uh, Alex Pereira. How did that work out for you, flying knee? Um, yeah. But I, I think ultimately what people thought was like, oh, like he uses his wrestling. He's a solid striker, but he uses his wrestling. It's like, well, does that help you against Renat Fakradinov here? Probably not. Probably not. Um, 
And Mikhailidis, uh, one other thing that we love talking about, and we've talked about many times about other people, Mikhailidis has zero gas tanks. So, like, uh, if none, you expect this guy none. to try wrestling, he's probably not getting a finish. And even if he fights on his feet from distance, he's probably getting gassed out. So, Fakradinov at minus 265, that seems pretty fair to me. I, I don't know whether he's going to land one of those clubbing KOs or, you know, I could see him kind of riding out to a decision. But, um, yeah, I, I see him just kind of getting the win here. So I'll be fine yeah. trying to find like a little way that I could play him in with something here. I, I was, ext- I was, I, I had texted TB when I was watching the tape. I was extremely impressed by his tape. He actually trains out of American top team at the moment. You know, he does like to stand straight up as well and, and in front of his opponents, but that's not really necessarily going to be an issue here because he strikes me as the, the, the combat Sambo guy. Like he's so well versed mm. in the wrestling in all those areas. He's boxing heavy. Like he will throw the boxing combination. He likes to take his time with the counter left hook to keep and test the range. He does have kind of like a wild looping overhand. So his his striking is not necessarily where he shines or is the most technical. But he's very comfortable going for the takedown. He's good at it. He's got good timing. He's got good short elbows from top position. You know, inside leg kicks. You know, the, again, the big thing is that he he's not a technical striker, and I I truly believe that all of his offense is to set up his ground game. So, um, mm. I, I just I think he's going to be dangerous wherever because Michaelitis, right? If we if we're just going to say that this is a grappler versus grappler, real quick, and the grappling negates, this guy is going to fuck him up on the feet, and that's why you mm. see the line where it is. Yeah, in my opinion, I totally agree, man. So super cool. Keep though, an eye out. We'll the, probably have some sort of parlay. Super cool though. It's it's the Spartan versus the Gladiator. I thought that was interesting. That is actually really cool. I like that. Yeah, I thought well, that was like a, a battle of the uh, the not not medieval, but you know, the Romans. historical warriors. Yeah. Yes. The Romans. And <laughs> uh, so now our uh, actually one of our, one of our most interesting card openers that we've had in a in, in a bit time here. I mean, Aaron Blanchfield versus JJ Aldrich in in the women's MMA you know, divisions to have a fight of like this kind of importance kicking off the card. This is actually pretty sick. Um, You know, Blanchfield, one of those big top prospects. Uh, She's shown some big time wrestling credentials in the oh, UFC yeah. so far. Um, so JJ Aldrich. One, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and now, that's, you know, that's the one that JJ puts you on the Aldrich, this yeah. is it. Yeah. I, well, okay. So you look back at like on the regional scene, she has her one losses to Tracy Cortez. You go back and you watch that fight. I'm not so sure that that she actually lost that fight. Yeah, a lot of people um, say that. Yeah, no, I'm serious though because she seems yeah. to have a lot more of like the threatening With positions and actually going for stuff. Whereas Cortez is a little bit more just control based and like holding on. Blanchfield, cold blooded. The nickname definitely makes sense. Uh, JJ Aldrich, she's lost by knockout. She's lost by submission. She's lost by decision. She's been controlled in the past uh, with a 9% opponent control rate. It's not something that's happened in every single one of her fights, but she's been taken down seven times out of 25 total attempts. 72% for someone that's shot, you know, 11 takedowns and landed 10 so far in Aaron Blanchfield. Mm. There seems to definitely be a path to victory. I mean, um, was it not J.J. Aldrich that was getting... um, wasn't Courtney Casey kind of controlling her a little bit off some takedowns? Or was that Aldrich landing the takedowns and Casey was... And in the striking, but I, I I think that Aaron Blanchfield here has a distinct advantage when it comes to 
and offensive wrestling pace, using chain wrestling and getting into positions on the mat that lead to control and, and dangerous positions for her opponents. We saw Miranda Maverick able to kind of outlast. We saw Sarah Alpar with her wrestling background able to kind of outlast. And, you know, like same idea. Kay Hansen, you know, majority decision, someone with a bit of a grappling background. Uh, JJ Aldridge, she has been building up her jujitsu. She's got that brown belt. Uh, she's got the taekwondo. She's a solid boxer. She knows how to use her range. She's going to have a little bit of a size advantage in this fight, just a little bit. Um, but Blanchfield, I just think this comes down to her just being so much better in that one area. And and listen, the narrative here, Blanchfield by decision, minus 65. Your boy yeah. TB is going to go ahead and fade that. And uh, we're going to say Aaron Blanchfield inside the distance, plus 250. For someone wow, that you're getting at so minus good. 490 right now. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Blanchfield, yeah, I mean, she had Maverick in such compromising positions, but Maverick yeah. is so tough. I, yeah, you, I'll try to check it, just see her not being able to escape certain type of holds. Yeah, and, and you know, when, when you start off those, I always think about that, like when you start off those cards super early and it's a small cage and it's the first fight, like sometimes those fights just all of a sudden, and they're over, like in the first round, and you don't really expect it. You know, you look at... um you know, you look at her last few fights there, she literally in her last 11 fights mm. um, for JJ, 10 of them have went the distance. The only loss by finish is uh, to Macy Barber from the the, the knee punches uh, KO stoppage there. So, I mean, I could maybe see that kind of finish where she just kind of beats her down, but not necessarily yeah. something that I'm looking to. I, I would I would go to grandma's grandma's couch cushion for this one. I'm not trying to okay. dip into my own reserves. Yeah, personally, it's a it's an interesting fight. It's a good one. It, it's actually one of the probably like you were saying. So apropos, is probably one of the more um, just uh, important fights in terms of ranking in in basically a card. Let's just be honest. It's a filler card. It's a throwaway card. They're they're just they're just putting out content. And hey, I'm 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 eating all the content. But this is this is a content card. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that brings us to the end of it, folks. Uh, welcome back. Back to Chronic Combat after a well-deserved week off. A uh, little little fun trip I had getting back here. So we're a little a day late getting back to our picks. But, guys, uh, definitely not a dollar short because we gave you some good picks today. Um, and, you know, we're, we're a like uh, on this video. Subscribe to our channel. And, and Guru, I mean, take us away, man. Yeah, listen, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we appreciate all of you listeners. Like, it really does mean a lot. You come into the live chat. You talk us up on Twitter. It really does mean a lot. So, guys, if if you're following, if you're listening, please go follow us. Um, you can follow me at Guru Scouting MMA on Twitter, Verdict, Instagram, and Tapology. And you can follow my awesome co-host, TB Scouting MMA, on Twitter, Verdict, Instagram, and Tapology. Make sure you're following us on Ben MMA plays. I'm sure we might have a couple more drop. And uh, honestly, we like with a, especially the pay-per-views, like if you think a card like this is the lines are sharp, or you think that the people, um, the public is like betting the lines early. What do you guys think happens on these pay-per-views there? They get way, way, way more exposure. Um, yeah, man, that was awesome. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in, Mac. Um, but seriously, these pay-per-view cards get way, way more exposure. So the lines change even quicker. It just means we got to be on top of it even more. So uh, just tune in and uh, and make sure you stay plugged in. 
and take care, obviously. Yeah, take care, everybody. <laughs>